Well, welcome back, guys, to the We Talk Ball podcast. It's been a minute. Uh, you know, we've been uh, quite busy, the two of us. Some of us busy than others, we, <laughs> for, obvious, for obvious reasons, but um, we're back. We're going to try and keep it a nice regular podcast going, you know, general chit-chat, this and that, um, just for the love of the game, because we both love football, and yeah, here we are. So, uh, Steve, welcome yourself back again. Hello. It's been a while. I'm excited. There's a lot of things to talk about. Interesting start to the season, and I'm sure um, we'll go into some good points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, a lot's happened since then. Um, certain teams have lost European finals. We won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I had to mention That's it. Our last right, episode was the Euros. I had to. <laughs> anyway, <That's> anyway. <laughs> so maybe yes. that's the reason we went quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was up for it. It was just you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So. Um, but anyway, our main concentration is going to be, uh, of course, the Premier League. Uh, we're both, of course, Premier League fans. You know, Aston Villa and Arsenal. Um, two different seasons, would you say, for the two for our two clubs? Yeah, quite interestingly as well. I think it's kind of been flipped on its head since the start of the season, with Arsenal starting pretty poorly at Brentford, um, and Villa full of optimism after a pretty decent transfer window. So. Now it's kind of looking the other way up. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, the news spilled out yesterday that you've uh, sacked your manager, Dean Smith. I mean, uh, what's your thoughts on that? I'm kind of split. I mean, there's a big appreciation for what Dean's achieved at Villa, getting us promoted to a Carabao Cup final, keeping us in the Premier League, um, and then being head of the helm when Jack Grealish departed. Um and our club did really well at keeping the fans involved, um, keeping us informed what was going on. So a lot of optimism. And he spoke about how we've got a t- top 10 club. And unfortunately, the results haven't bad up. So five defeats in a row and, and he's been given his marching orders, really. Yeah, I mean, we were discussing it earlier today when we were chatting. Um, it did seem like it was inevitable. It was going to happen. Mm. Um but do you think they should have given him more time, or do you think this is probably the perfect time for because Villa are at this key stage? You know, they've obviously had this influx of money in the summer. Uh, there's a load of new players that come in, some good quality players, you know. But do you think this is the right time for his part in order, or do you think he should have been given more time? Again, a little bit split. I think um, if he is going to lose his job, maybe now's the right time to get someone in during the international break, give them a bit of time. Um, and I don't think our Next few fixtures are are going to be easy. We've got Brighton next. I think we've got um, Liverpool somewhere along the next five fixtures as well. So it's not great. Interesting you say about the money because um, obviously we got 100 million from the Jack Grealish deal and we only spent 95 of that anyway. Um, and I think the signs look like positive ones, but currently they're not really settling in sort of the way that we'd hoped, um, particularly down to injuries. And a little bit down to changing the playing style as well. So who would you like to see come in to take over from Dean Smith? Who's the best man to take you on? To be honest, it's quite raw still. I haven't actually had that much time <laughs> to think about it because I didn't envidish, 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 uh, envidish this <laughs> at the start of the season. I just I felt that um, the expectations were probably too high and that's probably what, what, what made him go. But we've been linked with Roberto Martinez, um, not sure. We've been linked with Gerard again. Don't think he's leaving Rangers anytime soon. 
Um, so I'm not sure really. Uh, but I think it will be done by the end of the week. I feel like we ran our club very well. And I don't think it's an impulsive signing. I think it's it's something that, that's been thought about. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is a difficult one. But I think the fact that you're being linked with these sort of names, Martinez, Gerard, I think it shows how big of a club Villa still are and how big of a job it actually is. You know, you, the fact that such big names are being linked to the job. Um, so there is there is progress to be made, but it does show that you are still considered a top team. But as you said, expectations were probably quite high given, mm. I think, how well you did last season. I think people expecting Europe, weren't they, this year probably? European place at least. Well, it's difficult because our, 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 in the transfer window, we had a lot of outgoings in terms of our high wage earners. So El Hamadi went, Tom Heaton went, Neil Taylor went, Samata went. These are all players that were probably on quite handsome sums of money. Um, and if you look at where we sign these players from, okay, Buendi, okay, Norwich, probably one of the best players in the championship, but Ashley Young for free from Inter Milan, very experienced, one of my favourite players growing up for Villa. Um, Leon Bailey from Leverkusen, Danny Ings, I think there was a, a statistic that came out that in, in terms of conversion rate, he was only behind Aguero for the last mm. few seasons in the Premier League. And then, of course, Tuan Zabi from Manchester United on loan, which is probably the one that prompted Dean Smith to change our system and, and inevitably, I think, got him the sack. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one, but um, hopefully that will get resolved soon. I'm sure that this international break, as you said, will probably be the perfect time to give you know, them to properly think about it rather than rush into a decision. Uh, I think the telling telling thing, though, um, and the reason why I was so split was because, obviously, I went to the Southampton Villa game um, and we lost 1-0. And the first half was appalling. I think the first half, the last few games, ever since we, we lost against Wolves and conceded three goals in the last 10 minutes, that's when our forms kind of hit rock bottom. Um, mm. But second half, players were fighting for him. The away fans were behind the team. And that sort of reaction is normally what keeps a manager in a job or gives them a little bit of time. So I think this is obviously something that's been thought about um, and is not something that they probably wanted to do. But again, I just think getting maybe some fresh ideas in there, getting these players fit, Leon Bailey, Danny Ings especially, and then finding a way to kind of fit them in and, 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 and go from there, really. Yeah, um, I think his situation, it, was, um, it wasn't a case where the players kind of fell out. I think the players are very much behind him, you know, unlike other teams where you can see an obvious, a downward spiral of the players' form that's, you know, you know quite obvious there's something not right in the camp, I think. I think even even looking at the messages that came out from the players quite soon after it was um, announced, I think that summarised just how much respect he had among the Villa players. But, um, you know, you look at other teams, there'll be players, certain individuals that won't even say goodbye on social media at all. So it, it does show it is quite a big loss for Villa. Um, but as you said, it probably was the right decision. Um, and yeah, but... Uh, what what have you made of our start of the season then? Well, I must say the last I think it's ten games you're unbeaten, aren't you? Yeah, all competitions. Um, again, I wasn't. I don't think many people were sure on the transfer window. Arsenal had. I mean, talk me through them signings because I I know that you were linked with Ramsdale for quite a bit of time, and obviously there's a lot of discussion about the Ben White price. Um, 
But how have they fitted into your team and how do you think moving forward that they could represent Arsenal and, and for how long? Well, I think it was quite clear um, if you look at all our signings that the main intention was to sign players uh, of a bracket under 23. That was the sort of uh, age range we were going for. Uh, I think for too long, our problem has been we've been signing players on big contracts, you know, William being a prime example, who are at an age where we're not going to get any money back on them. I mean, yeah. even more especially so that he ended up being more bench warmer come towards the end of his Arsenal career. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously, I suppose from a business side of view, you know, the owners will be looking at the what they'll be sold for in a couple of years' time if they do eventually leave Arsenal. You know, the hope is they'll play so well and then they'll be at an age where they'll still have a good resale value. Um, but I think also we're at a stage, you know, we've been in this rebuild that they've been talking about for ages. And I think we're going back to basics, you know. I mean, we've, we've got a good mix of academy players, got these young players come in. And I think it's sort of like how Wenger used to do it. He used, he took, he had players from the academy. He would bring players in and, a lot of them were unknowns and he turned them into superstars, you know. I know it didn't work on a couple of occasions, of course. In other occasions, you know, they turned out to be legends of the club, you know. And mm. it's, that's how Arsenal being built and a lot of our success has been that kind of mix of within and also youth, you know, unknown youth. And although a lot, some of these players will be recognisable, especially to uh, English uh, fans, and of course, Martin Erdegaard spent some time last season... People like Nuno Tavares, Sambi Lokonga, you know, Tommy Ashu, I don't think many people knew about them. Like, great knowledge of them, but they've turned out to be fantastic signs. I can't say anything bad about any of them. I think all six of them have been fantastic so far. Well, so do you think that this new philosophy around your signings is based upon a business term, or is it more of a footballing decision? Because, of course, it makes more sense... Um, to have these players, if they're going to sell on, that you're going to make some money from them. But is it also because the fans are expecting something more long-term and the fans want that larger squad than just a bare 11? Because I know in the past, when you've signed players like Sanchez, Ozil, Aubameyang, even Lacazette, even Pepe more recently, these are big statements. Um, and they just... There's a mix between whether they've worked out or not, but Maybe it's the timing around the deals. What do you think about the philosophy? Is it is it more for a footballing reason or is it more from a business point of view? Uh, I do think, I think, it, as I said, there there is business side to it. And I'm sure that's been discussed with, between like Arteta and the ownership. But I think, I think it is, I, I do believe it was always Arteta's intention to um, go down this route, you know, of course. Mm. And I, you can. It is more of a Mikel Arteta team this year because even the players who he didn't sign are um, players who he's given contracts to. At least I'm pretty sure nearly every player on the pitch is either one he signed or one he's given a contract to. So it's become, it's clear to see that this is the way he wants to go. And a lot of those players who he's given contracts to, again, they're in that young bracket. You know, Emil Smith Rowe, Bakayo Saka, Kieran Tierney. You know, they're, they're players who are in their early 20s, you know, late teens. You know, these are the players he wants at the club. These are the players he wants starting because he trusts them more. Um, um, 
because they've some of them, of course, grown up in that Arsenal philosophy, and others are just players that obviously suit the profile and obviously have gone under extensive, you know, research analysis, etc. Um, I think I think the promising thing behind the deals is the fact that yes, they're players for the future, but they're making an impact now. Um, yeah. I think the impact that Ramsdale's had in terms of personality, especially, mm. as 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 kind of gone under the radar across the across the league, other than just Arsenal fans. I think Arsenal fans see it. Um, I think having a fully fit Gabriel helps a lot of the back as well because he's that sort of physical stature that perhaps you haven't had in a long time. Mm. Um, and Tommy Asu seems to be a bit of a fan favourite as well because of the energy he puts in, his adaptability. He's likeable, and it, again, he's one of them players that you look at. Doesn't look like a celebrity; just looks like he wants to play football. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he literally just does the job. I mean, I watched his. That I was at the game, uh, the Norwich game, which was his debut, and um, he was just fantastic. The runs he was making from the back, you know, the tackles he was making, he was just always just wouldn't give an attacker a minute to do anything. I mean, I know it's Norwich and they haven't been the best at, at times, but you, you could just tell, you could get glimpses from that game, just mm. how good he was. And even an attack that, I think there was one movie, flicked it over the top and just ran through and it, oh, it was just brilliant. And there was one point, it was almost like a, a half volley or something. Um, he was kind of jumping in the air halfway. And I tell you what, if that had gone in, the place would have erupted because it, the, we were just loving him that day. He was just fantastic. It was, it was, it was a brilliant debut. But it's easy sort of play. I think another thing about young players is they've got a point to prove. Mm. Uh, whereas I think a lot of these older ones who we were signing were just getting their last big contract. Well, you I know. think it's really important to talk about that because I think the atmosphere around the Emirates has is, is, is definitely improved. And I think that's because of the passion, not even just the football being played, the passion. Um, and perhaps players that were coming in before, like David Louise, um, Willian, they didn't really have a point to prove. They... They're experienced players. They've won the Premier League. Um, they've, they're seasoned internationals. And it was almost like, come in here, give us some of your experience. But I don't know what effect they were they were hoping for because it yeah. was always short-term dealings, throwing some money at people. And I, I, it almost felt like from an outside point of view, it was trying to tell the whole world that you could still attract top players. But there was always that question mark, well, if they're still top, top players, then why would Chelsea let them go? Yeah, so I, mean, I think it's quite pleasing that people are kind of right in the wrongs at the club with with certain play, players departing, um, and for once it feels like responsibility is kind of not being pushed to one side at Arsenal, and and someone is really taking control behind the scenes. Yeah, um, I think weirdly though, I'd say most fans looking at that transfer window. I mean, Erdegaard, I think a lot of people are happy about, although a lot were saying they wanted Madison. I. I personally wanted James Madison. I said I'd be happy with either, so I, I didn't mind that too much. Uh, what do you but... think the differences are between those two players? Though? I think Odegaard's very high profile because of it being a Real Madrid transfer. I think um... Madison, Madison, well, not so much looking at this season because he hasn't been at his best, but I think he gets more goals. Mm. I think that's one thing. Madison um... comes a lot deeper at times as well. I think he's, in terms of... The ideal midfielder who's a bit adaptable. I think Madison has that where you often see him picking up the ball between the centre backs, but you can also see him in between the lines, and and he's got a bit of an adaptability that sometimes Odegaard might not have. I mean, Odegaard's played out wide. Am I am I right in saying as well? Um, yeah, I, I think he's. Although he does get played as a number ten, although 
our new system is more of a four four two at the minute. I think he isn't a natural number ten compared to what I think Madison is. He he has a tendency, even when he is there, to drift out wide. Um, it's not a bad thing, of course, because you know he's he gets a lot of his crosses in from route wide. But um, but yeah, I'd say that's the main difference. But going back to the other point about the kind of passion around the club at the minute. I think, weirdly, in the summer, I say a lot of fans, including myself, were quite sceptical about the signings we made. Mm. I think, you know, we weren't convinced. We're thinking, you know, we had two seasons in a row, finished eighth. Uh, we didn't win a trophy. We're thinking, what are we doing signing these players? Players we knew, like Ben White on 50 million. We're thinking, what? While we're watching Varang. It's, it's a lot of money, yeah. Yeah, and then... We're looking at these players. We have no idea who they are. I think, why aren't we signing the big names? You know, we're, we're talking about all these big names in the summer and thinking, well, who are these people? You know, of course we give them a chance, but at the time, time we were kind of questioning it. But they've come back and they've really proved themselves, and they've all, like I said before, they've been fantastic. And I think a lot of it, as you said, is there's a genuine passion to play for Arsenal. I don't know if it's because they've come from a situation where they're at a club that's maybe not as big, or in Erdogan's situation. He's coming to a club that actually accepts him because obviously Real Madrid <laughs> are, of course, a bigger club than us. But mm-hmm. he wasn't really loved like he has been at Arsenal. Even in those six months, he felt, I can almost guarantee, he felt more love from us than he ever did at Real Madrid. Um, but there's, there's that. So they're playing for that kind of bigger profile club, a place that loves them and it takes them in. And I think there, they, they want to play for him. They want to be this big player. But as you said before, like, Willie and Louise, they've they've done it. They were at Chelsea. They won what Champions League, probably Europa League, Premier League. You know, they've done it all. Of course, they'd want to win it again, but they're calm, just chilling. You know, on their three hundred thousand a week. You know, well, I think the strategy kind of is similar to Liverpool's strategy. They, yeah, they they okay. Other than Van Dijk, even though he wasn't signed from a massive club, um, and they were big money, Allison and Van Dijk. But before that, with Salah from Roma, from from Mane from Southampton, Firmino from Hoffenheim. Yes, they're terrific players, but you wouldn't put them together as one of the best front threes in the world. So I think no. it is about getting players that, one, it's a suitable price, but they're coachable, that they have certain characters and, and they're going to excite you. And I think that's what Arsenal have got right. I just want to touch on one more point with Arsenal because I feel very, very rude not mentioning them. M.R. Smith wrote, I think the season he's having so far... Um, He's got to be up there for one of the young players of the year, surely, already. Oh, God. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, the time we're recording at this podcast, um, of course, it was only about an hour ago. He just got called up to the England squad, didn't he? Um, mm. But he's on an electric run at the moment. Like, I think he's got about, I believe it's about 11 goal contributions this season, something like that. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, he's got he scored scored in the last three games in a row. You know, there was a lot of doubts about him. Especially when he's given that number 10 shirt. I mean, you know, a lot of people from the outside would just say, oh, it's just a number. But, like, it comes with a lot of responsibility when you consider the players who have worn it before him, you know, Ozil, Burkamp, you know, and obviously... He in thrives hit- off that. He thrives off it. I think last season when he came into the team, um, you had a upturn in fortunes as well. I think he's one of them players that he will grab the game by its neck and just and, 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 and go... And I think I think Saka's similar in the same fashion, but it's so refreshing to see these players at Arsenal. Yeah, they they've got a genuine love for the club, I think, because they've like they've come up from the academy, you know, they've worked their way up, they've seen 
other players before them make it to the first name first team and they think yeah why not why can't mm. we do it? we you know we're we're good enough and they've come out here they've proved themselves and they're just going to keep fighting until you know they're big big names at the club you know that's that's their dream i'm sure and you know as arsenal boys you know i'm sure they're proud to do it and as we said just a minute ago that that's probably part of the reason that it's working so well we've got players who genuinely want to play for this club with genuine affiliation with the club and yeah, they really thrive off the fans' energy. And I think this year, you touched on it. I mean, I was at that Norwich game, and yeah, the atmosphere was brilliant. And I mean, even the games yeah. I've, I've watched on the telly, when do you, Emirates is always called quiet. No yeah. one can say anything about us this year. We've been fantastic home and away. Like, it's... I must say, when before COVID, um, well, when Emery was in charge, I went and and watched your defeat against Brighton at the Emirates, and. Mm there was a sort of expectancy when you walk in the ground that it could go either way. And you had players like Gwendouzi playing that aren't in the fold now. Um, but you, you sat in the Emirates, I was next to the away end, and you, you just felt fear. There was a fear. There was people hiding in midfield. No one wanted the ball. Nobody wanted to step up. And I think this season, that fear has, has diminished. And I think there is a real feel-good factor around Arsenal at the moment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, Every game, I mean, that game yesterday against Watford is one of those games where I thought coming like it was it was, it was a late goal, wasn't it? Um, mm. and like during the game, I was thinking as the game went on, I was thinking, you know what, this is one of them games we're not going to win. Um, I think it no, it was it was early in the second half, wasn't it? The goal just after about ten minutes or so after half time, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Can't remember, but anyway. But that first half was dragging along, especially when Aubameyang missed the penalty. You just think, oh, it's gonna be one of these days. Either we're gonna, it's gonna be a nil-nil, or they're gonna grab some late goal or something. It's gonna be, you know, something we've been just come to used to in the last like ten years and that this, this sort of game. But mm. you know, they we came through, we got the goal. And we grind out the result, you know. It's something, grinding out results, is something we haven't seen at Arsenal for a while, you know. And um, it's like, touching on a point quickly, because obviously Liverpool lost yesterday and it confirmed another year of Arsenal being the only team to go a season unbeaten. Mm. As much as we get criticised for the amount of draws we had, it does show we knew how to grind a result out. It's that that Even if it was a point. yeah. Yeah. I think it's really difficult. Um, I said before, the hardest thing in football is to score goals and not concede goals. Um, yeah. And I think Arsenal had the perfect balance that season. They had a strong foundation, but then they had quality. And I think even when you look at teams like City and Liverpool this season, City don't score as many goals as they did. Still an amazing team. Liverpool, some games look frail, um, but they will still score goals. So, I think it's just that balance and I think it leads us on to our next point about um, the changes of management at the moment and sort of what the challenges they may face are. So I just want to go straight into Newcastle because Newcastle is obviously a club that there's a lot going on in the club. Um, Publicly, they've been looking for managers. Um, But Eddie Howe has just agreed tonight to join the club. Newcastle confirmed it. Um, And I'm split on it. I don't know how you feel about it. I think... Um, yeah, what do you feel about that appointment? Because when I look at the appointment, Eddie Howe seems like a brilliant coach. I think Wilshire has said in the past how he really improved him. He's very on the details. He'll get stuck in. Even the best players in the team, he'll tell them. 
But is it a natural fit for him to go to Newcastle? Um, I think in terms of the uh, the club itself, I think it's a good move for him. As in, you know, I think he's capable of taking on because Newcastle are a big club. Let's let's put that out there. Huge, huge, huge club. club. And like he's definitely capable of you know taking that sort of job. I mean, there was numerous times that he got linked to our job as well. I think that would have been a step too far for him. So this is probably the perfect job for him if you just. But look he was at... linked to Arsenal for the style, wasn't he? That the style that he brought in. But at Newcastle, they've come accustomed to that. We're going to come here and we're probably going to fall to sleep style of football. They've had Rafa Benitez down there. They've had Steve Bruce down, and then and and they've really it's not been in falling stuff. Whereas Eddie Howe was originally linked to Arsenal because of that possession based football build up from mm. each phase of play and 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 that progressive football but that's not really the fit of Newcastle or it's not what we expect from Newcastle is it no that's what i mean like in terms of the club it's a perfect fit but in terms of the current uh, style of Newcastle and how they're playing at the moment the personnel they've got maybe this isn't the right job for him i mean Possibly in a couple of years after they've spent all their money that they've, you know, suddenly yeah. acquired and they've got those sort of players potentially come in. But it's very hard. It's hard for any manager to take over a club this time of the year. Do you, you think know, they'll get relegated this season? Uh, I personally have them down to be relegated. That I've said, yeah. Norwich, we've, we've talked about it a couple of times. I've mm. said Norwich and Newcastle. I think that's where we agree on. Uh, you think Burnley will be the team think, to join them? I think Watford. I think, I think Burnley, um, the only thing they've got going for them is the stability they've had. But they almost remind me of Sunderland a little bit where they, they kind of cling on. Yeah. But inevitably, they'll end up going down. But I, I don't know whether that'll be this year. Burnley, Watford. I even think um, Brentford have got to be watching their shoulders. I know they started the season really well, but... I think Leeds do as well. Leeds, Villa, we aren't far away, but I think that's no. squad's too strong for that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, the Newcastle thing. I think that's the style that he brings is obviously what the ownership have promised. Um, mm. But in terms of a relegation scrap, they, they might also look at Eddie Howe and think, look, he was sort of always like that with Bournemouth. He's got it in him. But the transformation that this club will have to go through and the players on the pitch will have to go through to become... A, a team that has a similar style to Bournemouth is is immense, and I don't know what this ownership are going to be like. If they get relegated, is he going to stay? Is he going to build them up from there and come back up? I'm not so sure, but I'm fascinated to see him back. I think Eddie Howe is a great character. Um, he's one of them coaches that will will look at every single element of your game and try and improve each player rather than just manage the coaches. Mm-hmm. So. It's a, it's fascinating. Um, Norwich Norwich looking for a new manager as well. Um, strange timing, I felt after their first win of the season. Um, do you think that was a decision that was probably already made? Yeah, I believe so. Um, obviously, it's it's been an, quite an atrocious return for Norwich. You know, they currently have minus twenty one goal difference, um, and that was their first win of the season. But I, th- I think, as you said, it was probably something that was planned. You know, it was the last game before the international break, of course. So again, mm. that could be their way of looking at it. But you know, like Villa, they've already been linked with some big names themselves. You know, I think Lampard, even your old manager Dean Smith. Uh, that would hurt. Yeah, Ralph Hasenhutten, he's been linked with it. 
despite still being in the South. Villa as well, which is strange. I think he's doing. I just think back with Southampton and and when they had that big loss against Leicester at home, and he was the manager then, and and people called from then. But when you go to St Mary's and you sit in the ground, no one's got a bad word to say about him. He 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 has that sort of passion on the sidelines, gets players up for it. Um, makes good decisions at good times. One thing that I would say about Dean Smith is sometimes he left substitutions till quite late in the game, which could be quite infuriating. And mm. it did look a little bit desperate in that game. We had, we ended the game with three strikers on. Um, but he seems like a, a manager that seems pretty content where he is. And, and there was a few whispers around St. Mary's about Europa League and those sort of positions, but why not? So I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. I think... Managers like Lampard, again, it's fascinating to see, but based off the evidence that we've seen at Derby and Chelsea, he would want to play a similar sort of style of football. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know whether that is a good thing. When, when Norwich first came up, they were equally probably as bad, but the thing that resonates with a lot of Norwich fans is they stuck to that style. But this season, he's had to almost... He's changed it a little bit, which I don't think has done him any favours. No, no. I think it's left them quite exposed at the back, isn't it? I think that's why it's... they can see so many goals. I think the frustrating thing when you watch Norwich is when they first came up, we thought they were a bit naive. They were trying to play across their own box. They were doing things that you just simply can't get away with in the Premier League. But there was a style there. And I think half the reason he kept his job was because he had merit in the bank and he was playing in a way that Norwich fans wanted to see. This season, however, I feel like the last few games he's almost put men behind the ball, but then they've they've not been influential. If you have men behind the ball, you're trying to defend the goal, you're trying to defend the spaces, but they've just had little effect. So the win against Brentford, I felt uh, sacking a manager after that when it could be an upturn in fortunes was a bit harsh, but perhaps it was something which... Um, they had already planned because he'd gone back on his own fundamentals. And when you do that, it's quite difficult. It's quite difficult to see as a fan, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is the argument to be made that they were probably stronger um, mm. when they came up the last time. I think they were. I think, you know, they had players like Buendia, Puki, Cam- Campwell is still there, isn't he? Yeah, they're still there, but the, the, they're just not kicking on. I think they had a recruitment where they signed quite a few young players. Um mm. And Norwich don't spend a lot of money. Um, but I think the thing is, none of these signings were ever signings that you think, yeah, they're going to make them stay up or they're going to make them stronger. Mm. So a lot of the players are still similar players. Pookie, Campwell still playing now. But it, it's very hard with Norwich. They're such a yo-yo club and, and they're a club that they obviously don't want to make the same mistakes as last time. Hence the, the reason to, to sack their manager. Who who do you think would out of those three, or even your own choice, would be best suited to them? Do you think? I think it depends what they want from a manager. So if they want to keep the same sort of style and with the expectation that they could go down still, but that's fine because the fans are enjoying it, then you could look at a Lampard because one, he's got pedigree in the Premier League. Two, he's done it in the Championship, and three, he he can be quite creative and he might actually attract some players, and they won't have to break the bank, but. If you're looking to stay up and you're looking to do things in a different way because this way clearly hasn't worked, then you might look for a more defensive manager. You might look for someone who's going to shore them up at the back um, and expect 
you know, it's not going to be glamorous. It might be quite boring, which is managers like Steve Bruce, and they've come under the cosh of it. But these sorts of managers, they know how to, to how to grind out draws and get the odd point on the board. And I don't know. So it's a hard one. There's not many managers that aren't in work that I think normally big, are. You don't get the Alan Pardews and big and, Sam, and mate. These sorts of managers anymore. Well, big again, Sam, he knows how to keep the team up. <laughs> he does. Um, Right, so just on that point, final final discussion point. Um, I've been thinking about top four Euro- European spaces and relegation. Mm. If you were to pick a top four and a bottom three right now, you can go top six if you like. Who would it be? Because this is a very interesting point of debate. I put you on the spot a little bit there, haven't I? See, I think <sighs> I, <laughs> I think with my bottom three, I said uh, Norwich and Newcastle. I think is definite. That final third place, you know, it's tough because it could. I think one, two, three, I think five teams could potentially go there. Um, I I, I said Watford, although I'm still having my doubts about that because, you know, Ranieri, obvious reason why you might doubt them to go down. You know, and they did play well yesterday and obviously they had that big result against Everton, but they're very up and down sort of team. So it's about whether... Or not, they get enough points. But, um, you know, Burnley potentially, you know, Leeds, you know, they haven't looked the same as they did last year. Villa, it depends on who they get in. Brentford, I think, so, will have enough, to be honest. But that third spot is a bit of a question mark. But I'll just for the time being, I'll, for argument's sake, I'll say Watford. Who's going to finish their bottom? Norwich. Okay, so I, I can agree on that. I think the bottom two, I think, I think it will be that way around. Yeah. Um, if I had to put my neck on the line with that third place, I think Watford for the inexperience and the instability of the club potentially. But my heart, my heart's telling me Burnley because it's about time. <laughs> but <laughs> in my head's telling me that they're so experienced in that demeanour that there's no panic buttons. Yeah. So I think it's going to be out of Burnley and Watford, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my gut. Um, top six. If you want me to go first, I can go first. If you need a bit more time. Uh, yeah, go on then. Right, so to win the league, um, I've 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 been split. I've spoke I spoke before the season that Chelsea will probably win the league. Mm. Um, and I don't think they've really got going yet. Start of the year, I said Chelsea. Okay, but now I'm saying City. I think with City, I think the thing is they're in second gear and they can dominate teams. I think if they get that bit of ruthlessness back, ruthlessness back, I think that they can beat anyone. Mm. I think City have been there, they've done it. I think with Chelsea, um, yes, they've got a huge squad, sometimes too much to choose from, but I just think City will will pip them. So I'm going to go City, Chelsea. I think Liverpool, they've probably got the best 11 in the league, but the squad depth's a bit worrying. Um, And I think they're still a bit vulnerable. Van Dijk's not quite where he was at before getting injured. So Liverpool third. And the fourth choice is the hardest. I think... um, we spoke about Man United were probably expected to be there, but with the way that they've been, I think it's it's wide open for anyone, really. Um, I would go Tottenham just because of Conte, just because, yes, Nuno got sacked, results weren't great, but they're not far away from top four anyway, with them being that poor. Um, then I'd probably go Man United and then West Ham. Ah... <sighs> So no Arsenal. No. The only re- again, again, the reason for that is I just think if Arsenal lose a couple of people in that in that starting eleven, 
Bear in mind, this is based off no January transfer window as well. Mm-hmm. Then I think you're in trouble. I think if you took Gabrielle out of there, um, you took maybe Smith, Smith Rowe or Ramsdale or someone like that, I think there's a vulnerability. In midfield as well, you're a little bit short. I just think with Tottenham, Conte is a very short-term appointment and he's got the squad there. I think that squad there is good enough to get top four mm. without without even strengthening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I think I think that my top three is going to be between those three. You know, I think they're yeah. in their own, they're they're in their own mini league. I think at the minute. I um, think so too. Who's going to win the league? <laughs> I'll push I, you for that. I said Chelsea as well start the season actually, and you know what? Obviously, <laughs> had been watching a lot of football, and obviously you've helped me to watch a bit more. You know. Mm. Um, Thanks for that, always. <laughs> <laughs> the plug. <laughs> um, but City, they're just different, you know. I, just, I was watching them on against United. It just looks so easy. I know United are in this little dead patch in a minute. But just the way they're exposing them, even with that false nine, um, they could have hit them. They could have hit, hit them for 10. But I think, I they think was, Gary Neville spoke about how... Um, yes, Liverpool won five and nil, but the way that City were toying with them, and it was almost like a we're winning, we're just going to make we're going to we're going to drain the life out of you in your own place, and we're going to make this very difficult, and that is very ruthless. And I think yes, they're lacking that number nine, but there is goals all over that team. Yeah, of course. I mean, they didn't even make a sub. How much yeah. of a violation is that? Oh, that's just bro. Well, when you but, have to ball the whole game, you, you don't have to work particularly I'm hard. Legit, mate, legit. But um, I think, yeah, their quality and just their quality and depth, I do think... I think what it will come down to is who, out of City and Chelsea, where their priorities lie in a couple of months when it comes to the Champions League. Liverpool as well, because, you know, people have been sleeping on Liverpool a bit this year. I think yeah. that result last night, might make people doubt them a bit, but you know, especially defensively, you know, which was obviously quite strong. It's obviously just a reminder that was obviously the three-one loss to West Ham. But the thing that I think stood out there was West Ham's strength and at set pieces. Yeah, um, and also how West Ham on a day can beat anyone. But again, for me, the the squad's probably lacking for top four. Yeah, um, I think I think priorities will come down to where it finishes. But I'll, I'll say City. To win it. Do you think? Do you think them losing, being knocked out of the Carabao Cup will, will sting a little bit? I think that I don't think I ever expect a season where they don't win a trophy. So, um, for me, that that would sting them a little bit. Yeah, um, I think so. I mean, you know, no matter what people think of the Carabao Cup, at the end of the day, it's something that obviously City have done so well in recent years, and I think it's their first loss in like four years in the cup. So, which it's less playing time for some players that are on the fringe as well. That's true as well. Um, and obviously, it's, it's a nice record to have, you know. I mean, when we were winning back-to-back FA Cups, you know, it hurt that we, when we when we went out one year. You know, even though not a lot of people rate the FA Cup as they probably should, it hurts because it's a record that you hold, you know. Of course. But, um, so, who's going to finish fourth? This is the big one. Um, we had this chat. If you want to go down to a top six... Um, I know where your heart's telling you, but where's your mind telling you? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I've got City to win it and I've got Chelsea to come runners-up, probably. 
Uh, Liverpool, I think, will sneak that third, as we said. Fourth. Tottenham aren't finishing above us, mate. It's not happening again. <laughs> so, so let's just fire out some teams that could be around there. So, Arsenal, I think Tottenham. It's between West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham. What about Wolves? I think Wolves will have an outside chance. Yeah. Uh, Brighton, I think, will fall off. Not too much. I think they'll still finish top half. But I think they will yeah. fall off a bit. Um, so, really, I think West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham and United are the main contenders come the end of the season for that fourth spot. Can I just ask, which is on that point? Yeah. Of course, at the minute, Arsenal are the team playing best and West Ham out of those four teams you mentioned. Yeah. Who's got the best squad out of all four? Because <sighs> on paper, in certain areas, Man United have got a squad capable of winning the league. But the oh, balance yeah. is not there. So, depending on the January transfer market, that could determine even top three finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like... Um... I think on paper, a lot of teams had Man United as probably the best starting eleven. If you, just based on Ronaldo, you know what I mean. But I think they're two signings away, two midfielders away. I think um, that was their big concern was not signing a midfielder. Yeah. You know, Declan Rice is obviously seeing his stats last night on Sky. You'll see best in basically every area, wasn't it, in the league? And it's it's mad that they, you know, I think David Moyes said a comment about how the hundred million that that's gone now. <laughs> if you want him, it's going to have to be a lot more. But um, yeah, I think I think West West Ham it, again. It comes down to priorities. It's hard. I know you know people ask your predictions, but it's very hard in hindsight to predict. You know priorities. It's very you know, early as well. Yeah, I mean, so far Europe they've done well with it to handle it. I mean, they've had relatively the same sort of start elevens for both the league and Europe. Um, yeah. It's done them well so far. Granted, fair enough. But as the season goes on it starts to wear you out as the injury starts creeping. You know, have they really had many major injuries yet? That's the problem. They haven't really, I don't think. Um, and... It's very difficult because if you take Antonio out, you take Declan Rice out, you take any of these players out, the, the bench is looking a bit slim. And I think it's the same with Arsenal. That's, that's the only reason Arsenal don't make the fourth spot for me because I think with Tottenham, I think in centre-back they could do with well to be honest they could do have a whole new back four in some respects but they, they have so much quality in terms of they've got Kane they've got Son world class players they've got they've got like an average medium of ability so when I look at that if they're playing the back three Romero is probably the one that's always going to play but then there's not a lot of difference between playing Ben Davis Davison Sanchez Tanganga Eric Dyer because they're all pretty averagely mediocre yeah yeah, uh, polite there to be honest. Yeah. Die by name, die by nature. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think start 11 wise, I don't think I think West Ham have got a very good start 11 and potentially theirs may outdo ours in some areas. Um, they just work well in the system. I think there's every player in there is willing to fight, is willing to make things difficult. It's quite an old school approach they've got, and I, I, I can't help but like it. It's, it's working well for them, it is working mm. well. Um, I, I think you know they have to target the Europa League if they because I, I think I don't know if it was you told me or someone else, but apparently there's no round 32 now, really. Apparently, so if the, I'm not sure, someone said it. Apparently, it goes if I'm not sure if it's you have to win the group or if the next round there's just goes to the round 16. I'm not mm. too sure on that one, we have to double check. But if that's the case, then that's less it's games the than taking, expected. Yeah. 
So they have to go for it if they get past this group. Um, but then so they're least... not going to finish fourth for you because the Europa League, rightly so, should be that priority. Yeah. Um, and yeah. obviously, you look at Tottenham, despite the fact they're in ninth, I don't think they're taking the Conference League too seriously, even if they were to, you know, get far. Can we argue it. that that's the trophy? Is that a trophy? They haven't won a trophy. Oh, God, if they went and won the Conference League, a is that a trophy? Yeah, it's a trophy. I'll let them have it, you know. So, so, so what... <laughs> I mean, it's obviously a new concept. It's almost like England winning the Nations League. Um, where does it rank, though? Because we speak about the Carabao Cup. That's still a trophy. But the Conference League sort of seems like a, a B-Tech version of the Europa League, which is a B-Tech version of Champions okay. League. And, and like, it, yes, it's European to some clubs like West Ham, the Europa League huge. But if you went and saw Real Madrid in the Europa League, you, you'd be a bit disheartened. So, I don't, is it not just a... In my opinion, and I'm going to put this out there, it's just a jumped-up friendly cup. It just feels like to me, it's a. There's a few teams that are quite close to, to Europe, can't quite make it. Let's all chuck them in a the league and see how they get on. <laughs> but <laughs> That's just my opinion. I just think, oh, like, yeah. especially in the Premier League, think about how many teams play in Europe in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, that's it's nearly a. When you talk about top six, it's nearly a third of the league. Yeah, and then you've yeah. got a Conference League, and you just think. Boy, seven teams this year, isn't it? Yeah, come on though. This, this. I think if you talk to any Tottenham fan, you'd you'd rather just focus on the league and just scrap that whole competition completely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. I I don't agree with them bringing it in. I I think it was fine with the two concepts, as it were. I mean, if you want to go even further back, my dad would argue, you know, to go back to the old Cup Winners' Cup, you know, and stuff like that, and the mm. Champions League should only be for champions. That's, that's well, of course, argument. that's the concept, yeah. Yeah, I mean, cool. So, I mean, it has potentially got a bit silly with how they've done it, but I suppose that's the discussion for a, another pod. But I think it is still a trophy. It's just a new one. You know, people is it really pulling ready. power? It's, is it pulling no. power? Can, can no. we say we've got European football or is that... Nah, uh, I don't think to so. To me, it's, it's almost like it's like Europa League qualification in some respects. It it's is, because like, you win it, you get into Europa League, don't you? It's... it's, it's it... It's, it, to me, it just seems like the club equivalent of qualifying for a European Championship when you're England and you're put in a group with, with teams that are never going to beat you. That's what it feels like to me. And, and I just think with Tottenham being in that, it's almost insulting. It's almost like, a look, you were in a Champions League final a few years ago, but come play Conference League. <laughs> it's just embarrassing. So for me, look, scrap it. I don't care. Like, whatever. I think, I think Mourinho... Um, obviously he had that shock defeat at Roma and that was because he put a completely different team out which he told everyone didn't have the same quality and then it was like a oh here you go which shows the importance from a serial winner and that trophy I think really it was an excuse by like the um, UEFA just to have more of a chance of teams to play in Europe I think and obviously you have that route to potentially get into the Champions League but again Mm. as we just said it kind of takes away from the fact of what Champions League means because Say this team, whoever they are, never have a chance of qualifying in their domestic league. Suddenly, win the Conference League, shockingly win the Europa League, and they find themselves in the Champions League, despite the fact they finished God knows where in their league. You know what I mean? Well, final point on that, I would just say, to me, it just feels like a way of lining their pockets even further. But, you know, I think they've had so much success. I think the Champions League is, in some respects one of the most successful competitions. And the fact is season upon season, it's more successful than a European championship. It's more mm. successful than in a world cup because it happens four times until the world cup happens. 
mm. which again is a different debate because I know the whole Wenger stuff was that, but yeah, it just feels like a way to keep milking the money out on this little train of, of club football. Look, we've got Europa League, we've got Conference League. Let's just keep making money, and you can they can justify. Oh, we're going to expand the Champions League. We're going to expand this to get more teams, so it's inclusive. But it just feels like a little money pit, and 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 to me, if that is really taken seriously by a club like Tottenham, that could lay detriment to their season. Yeah, of course. I mean, like like you said, it does feel like a lot of you know, almost turning clubs into like a cash cow. You know, just more ways of making mm. money, etc. And again, it, I think it kind of takes away from the whole, you know, the whole contest of what. Champions League means what used to be called the UEFA Cup means, you know, to qualify for these competitions. You know, it was based on rewarding teams for finishing a certain position in their table, or mm. as the old champ- European Cup, as it used to be called, because you were the champions. That's the it's reason. It's fanatical, you're going to. isn't it? It's fanatical seeing a champion of Germany playing a champion of England playing a champion of Spain. That, that's that's fictional stuff. That's that's stuff that you you just just want to see. You know. So now to be having in fourth place and to be having in this runner-up and a super league, isn't it? Champions against champions. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the idea. Anyway, we've digressed, but so we're talking yes. top four to put to put it on the line. Fourth place. Who are you saying? Fourth place. You know what? It is tough because I think if you the best time to ask me would be after we play Liverpool. So I'm asking you now. So I'm asking you now. I know, I know. I'm going to answer now. I'm going to answer now. But the reason I say that quickly is just because I think we haven't really been tested in these 10 games. Okay, Mm -hmm. we played Tottenham, but it's a derby. Anything can happen. We played Leicester. Tottenham weren't a test at that point either. Man United wiped the floor with them. Man United was shocking. Exactly. Leicester, Mm -hmm. they haven't been the same as this this season. And the other teams arguably... The other team, Leicester, yeah. Yeah, and the other teams arguably are beatable. But... We've looked positive in that, and it, our big oh, test. Say it, our, say big it, test Arsenal. our big test. <laughs> you know so what? we're going for fourth place, no, non-European we're... football. Arsenal. I think Tottenham. Yeah? I think Tottenham are getting fourth. Whew, big call by the gunner. Okay, I think... so I think we're in agreement, sort of, in our top fours and our bottom threes. I, I think, think that's sort of Tottenham, West Ham, Arsenal. I think we finished sixth. Okay. We are we are getting top six this year. I don't know where, but I think we are so. getting top six. progress. I think I, I think you'll be sixth or seventh. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So just to wrap up, lovely to have you back, Kieran. Lovely and to you. be speaking again. I know. Um, again, we're hoping for a weekly pod, um, weekly discussions. By the time we get to next week, there'll be probably two or three new managers in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> and there'll be plenty of international football to talk about. So, yeah. That was good, mate. Yeah. Exactly. Nice one. Exactly that. All right. Lovely stuff. That wraps up for this week, guys. Um, Thanks for listening. Subscribe, share and all that. And uh, yeah, like you said, hopefully we'll see you again next week in a bit. As always, Kieran and Stephen, we talk ball. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys.